0: Welcome to this week's Hotel Analyst podcast, where, as usual, you'll find the two of us chewing over important matters in the hotel investment landscape from the last week or two. Um, by the two of us, I mean me, Chris Bound, the editor of Hotel Analyst, and I'm joined uh, by Andrew Sankster, the editorial director of Hotel Analyst. Uh, and we're going to kick off this week by having a look at what's going on in the uh, budget or economy hotel sector in the UK at the moment um, not least because a couple of, uh, of points of interest recently have been that Travelodge has announced what they say is going to be the biggest sort of makeover of their brand um, ever uh, they're going to freshen up all of their hotels around the UK which is nearly 600 um, and they are doing that because they see that uh, Consumers are demanding more, they don't just want a plain old, average old vanilla room, they want something a little bit more pizzazz. Um, they reckon they're going to do that without pushing their prices up massively. Uh, the other interesting point of note is that a, uh, a much smaller operator in this space, Point A Hotels, has just changed hands with a, a majority stake in the business uh, being taken from uh, previous owners, Welcome Trust, to. Uh, a new private equity investor of Tristan Capital Partners to put into one of their funds. Uh, quite a quite substantial £420 million deal, uh, but it's certainly a deal which will see point A grow from its current scale of around uh, 10 properties to perhaps double over the next three to five years. And here we are, we're all looking forward to travelling again and the, uh, the UK budget or economy hotel sector is uh, very large but as one of the other commentators looking interestedly at the market said it's very large but it's very mature Um, with of course uh, Premier Inn leading the charge and Travelodge a close second but uh, still plenty of opportunity for the smaller players to take a little bit of space it seems.
1: Yeah and it's one of the things the budget hotel market or rather that the economy hotel market which is more widely known as um, internationally and we we call them budgets in the uk but we're talking about the economy hotels um for those listeners outside of the uk and i suppose um,
0: it's worth making the point also this is we're still talking about travel lodge in the uk which is a very distinct business from travel lodge in certain other parts of the world as well
1: yeah what you know the, it's uk ireland and spain um travel lodge uk is is just, um um present in very small presence in in spain um Anyway, it gave me a chance to dig into... Travel Lodge's numbers, although it's a uh, privately held company, it's, it's, it's hedge funds and uh, private equity backers, um, it, it, it does publish fairly comprehensive numbers still and they, they put them out the end of March and it was interesting just to look at how obviously 2020 was gruesome as it has been mm-hmm. for every everybody and um, of course it went through its CVA process in that, um, but it, it, it uh, lost 74 million in, in in the calendar year 2020 but rebounded quite remarkably actually um, to make a 81 um, million EBITDA or adjusted EBITDA um, you have mm-hmm. to watch out for that word adjusted um, um, but it made 81 million pounds uh, last year which is quite incredible given um, that you know we've still very much had lockdowns uh, last year so it's, it's one heck of a recovery really um, and it just shows how you know what it just shows why the uh, the budget hotel the economy hotel sector is so attractive for investors because it is remarkably resilient um, Now, one of the reasons it, it Travel Lodge made the money was because of the CVA and the rent bill it shaved it, it uh, said it shaved 55 million pounds off um, its rent bill thanks to the CVA so that would have fed up directly into its uh, bottom line. I mean rent is, is its biggest cost. Um, but it's also interesting to look at the commentary in terms of the outlook and it was saying um, the trading levels are going to recover back up to 2019 levels uh, this year but EBITDA won't quite Fully recover. Um, it said that it had good strength in leisure, good strength in blue collar business demand. The, you know, the people driving the white vans. Um, but white collar was still something of a struggle, and that was that was up offsetting a little bit of the the recovery piece. But it's still very very healthy. I I would suggest, and has come back uh, remarkably remarkably well there there is also this week coming out the the news in terms of the 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 wider economic picture and of course hotel demand is strongly correlated to what's going on in the wider economy and i took a peek inside uh, the world economic outlook which is the international monetary funds uh, um, economic forecasting report and uh, uh, from from a UK perspective it didn't make happy reading uh it's saying that uh, the UK will be the worst performing economy in the G7 group of big economies next year now partly this is because this year the UK is going to do so much better than most of the other um economies the the UK's really got its recovery in early um we opened up earlier had a good vaccination program um the other big G7 economies are still going to be catching up a little bit into next year so that leads to their outperformance if you if you sort of level it out between this year and next year the the UK is not at the top but it's near the top um perhaps in the absence of Ukraine it might actually be at the top but because um of the inflation Extra inflation, I should say, that's induced by the invasion of Ukraine and the consequent uh, energy crisis and uh, commodity crisis that we're seeing. Um, the the US is is looking much stronger. I mean, it's largely energy self sufficient, so that ma- means it's a bit stronger. So that that's uh, um, so it, it, it's not entirely the IMF um, report. I think needs to be looked at in the round, um, and it's still you know the UK looks a pretty decent place to be doing business in and it looks you know the recovery is looking good for the UK overall Um, but obviously with all sorts of um, caveats regarding well we're not quite sure quite where the whole inflation piece is going to play out. Looking more specifically at our sector or at least at the wider travel and tourism sector I, I took a look at uh, some numbers on uh, what's happening in the airline sector and there's a, a lobby group called Eurocontrol, they look at both military as well as uh, commercial airlines um, and they're saying that actually air traffic is coming back pretty well, they're saying it's already close to 80 percent of 2019 levels 79 percent for the first uh, 13 days of april they reckon um by the end of the year it's going to be 92 percent in their base case um which is which is a pretty good recovery the issue has been long haul particularly uh, asian long haul uh, the the routes between Europe and America notably the US are pretty much back to where they were Um, but within that it's interesting too um, if you look at this whole airline piece it's the low-cost carriers At least some of the low-cost carriers that are doing well and certainly doing better than the the so-called legacy carriers you know the sort of British Airways and the KLM Air France etc and um, so Ryanair um is up 10 percent that's for the week ending 13th of april the number of flights it had were up 10 percent on that same week in 2019 for Wiz, whiz air um they were up 16 percent so there's some pretty good news within that and again it's interesting it's coming at this low cost end which um, if that pattern is repeated in the accommodation sector again you're expecting the budgets to to be the the recipients of this uh the the growth that is coming through um the, the one pause i did find looking at the euro control numbers they did a report a, a separate report which looked at uh the, the 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 longest ever sort of outlook they've done which is to 2050 wow so i mean <laughs> you know yeah n- nobody can quite see that far ahead but uh, for what it's worth um it, i think it's instructive to think that they're that they're showing a fairly modest rise in overall air travel within europe so even in their high scenario and the annualized rate of growth is just 1.8% the base case is 1.2% now this is well below what we hope we're going to see in terms of economic growth over this period so i think if if um, travel and tourism and hospitality is to keep growing faster than the underlying uh, growth rate of the economy, um, which I think it will do, um, that performance is not going to be directly hinged on um, uh, air travel. It's going to be domestic and it's going to be non-air intra regional travel that's going to deliver that that growth. So I think that's something to think about if, you know, as as hospitality companies start planning you know doing their long-term planning.
0: Private equity players have all got oodles of cash to spend they've all been hunting around looking for distress in the hospitality sector and spotting very little of it and that's forcing some of them to be a little bit more creative uh, in the way that they look for and uh, grab uh, investment opportunities and one of the more creative uh, ones we've seen in recent weeks has been uh, uh, the investor KSL who have acquired a majority stake in a group called pig hotels um, these are not so much just hotels there's more restaurants with rooms uh, and so far to a portfolio of eight properties uh, across uh, southern UK. Um, many of them have got their own kitchen gardens um, and uh, so it's very much a foodie-led offering. Um, so KSL obviously have come on board and are looking to potentially double the scale of the business or more within uh, the next few years. Um, meantime the, um, the previous leadership team are staying on board and um, expecting to keep the thing very much looking the same as it has been, only just more of it.
1: Yeah I think it's a case of a swine proving to be pearls. I was quite pleased with that headline adjustment actually. And, and and indeed ksl have a good track record in this area as you mentioned in your mm. story chris with uh hotel Divan and malmaison um they did a quick flip and you know made some cash on that um uh, the the current owner of um Mal the Mal business has perhaps not done quite as well with it, or although this certainly not had the problems that, say, Minor has had when it took on a not dissimilar business, um, although an exclusively restaurant business, which was Corbyn and King, which has been in the headlines mm. of late with the uh, the legal actions and um, you know the, the takeover that was sort of came through as a result of the falling out between Minor and the founders, um, Corbyn and King. Um, that seems to have been resolved, but we'll see how well that uh, business goes forward now. Um, so it is difficult, and I also, in, in in my commentary, looked at or uh, well mentioned rather, just briefly, IHG's deal to take over Kimpton, which um, certainly led to a whole host of departures of existing Kimptons in the US where it's largely based Um, and the IHG's deal really only makes sense if you factor in a very large chunk of goodwill um, for the cost of creating the Kimpton brand in the first place. Um, it's hard to know for sure whether that, that truly has been a positive takeover so, but you could certainly probably describe it as a mixed success story. Um, I mean there's, the Kimptons are still leaving the fold and in, in fact we saw one go in January there was one in uh, California, California Santa Barbara left. Um, so it, it's not been great and it shows just how difficult it is with these uh, uh, these non-bed factory businesses. So the ones that take a bit more care is you're just describing pig um, in terms of, you know, the, the F&B elements, the kitchen, uh, gardens and that kind of stuff that takes a great deal of care to sustain and nurture within a, within the bigger corporate environment. And it's a challenge. Um, you know, but it does seem to be a challenge that's being embraced by, I mean, i will probably look at Accor with what it's doing with Ennismore. We'll see how that one plays out. Um, it's still, you know, it, 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 it's still not yet clear where that's gonna be going. Um, but, you know, it, it's very mixed, shall we say, the, out, out, the outcomes that we've seen for a lot of these, you know, situations where a big corporate takes over one of these niche, highly specialized businesses uh, in the hotel sector. It's the boutique hotels in particular, Um, because there is this danger of swamping the uniqueness and specialness. Um, um, You know up for grabs at the moment in the UK is D&D London that they own the South Place Hotel uh, but um, uh, more famously the the raft of restaurants such as Quaglino's um, across town and that's on the block for around 100 million um, according to reports so that's going to be an interesting one I wonder whether a hotelier will step up and get into that but one thing we do know for sure um, that these upscale restaurant businesses boutique hotel businesses you know there's a lot of appetite for them but they can create digestion problems
0: Now we're going to have a look at what's going on in Australia which seems to be uh, a market that's finally waking up after its uh, rather lengthy uh, pandemic series of lockdowns and restrictions Um, I think for a while uh, things were mothballed because frankly no one knew quite when the administrations of Australia and New Zealand would actually let people in once again, Um, but uh, it (laughs) does seem that now uh, they have finally relented and realised that uh, you've got to live with uh, Covid, not simply try and keep it away Um, and as a result it's uh, there's there's been several uh, hotels come up for sale across Australia and New Zealand Um, and the other really sort of interesting thing that's just happened is that uh, Proinvest who uh, for a long time have been kind of the uh, the blue chip developer of hotels in Australia and been responsible for helping uh, IHG grow some of their brands across that part of the world have now decided that they're going to uh, partner up and deliver a a decent-scale third-party management uh, company for the region as well. So um, things livening up in Australia
1: yeah it's the old joke about australia that the the, the problem is not that uh, britain sent over all the convicts it was that britain sent over all the prison officers and we've <laughs> certainly seen this as this is the problem <laughs> under the current covid situation but um that, as you say chris does seem to be um getting behind us now thankfully and uh, australia is indeed opening up and i think it's going to start living up once again to its uh moniker as the lucky country because i think the echo economic situation does indeed look very fortuitous for australia right now so uh, whereas other countries are you know are undergoing something of a setback economically as a result of um, uh, the inflation that's coming out of um, the incre- the U- U- ukrainian invasion by russia um, australia is actually seen its growth uprated mm. um, the imf did that they they just um just um slightly teased it up um 0.1 percentage points um um, in, in its latest uh, uh forecasts up to f- I mean, a very healthy looking 4.2 percent for 2022 um, and that's because of course australia is a huge commodity exporter um i didn't realize quite how big it is but it it, it it is truly massive actually um so uh it was interesting. i did a few comparisons with russia so it's uh, agricultural output is only just below that of russia so uh, 11.1 billion Billion US versus 12 billion in in Russia, um, but its mining sector is even bigger than Russia's 36.7 billion versus 24.9 billion. Um, this is all tradingeconomics.com numbers. Um, of course, the Russia is the big energy producer. Um, the IEA. Um, figures show uh, Russia is 18% of uh, uh, the world's gas supplies, but uh, Australia is actually a significant gas producer too, 3.7%. It's only oil where Australia doesn't have much in the way of uh, production and where obviously Russia is is a pretty big player, number two in the world. Um, So this commodity Peace is really going to help Australia um, thanks to the inflation in commodities. and um and i think also the other thing um, in terms of inward investment australia is going to be a beneficiary because it is part of the west it is seen as a very safe place in which to invest and as that imf report i've mentioned uh, several times already on this podcast uh, went on about it quite some length it was about the re- reversal of globalization something we've talked about mm. Um, within Hotel yeah. analysts in the last few weeks. Um, and, you know, the for warning, this is that we're at a pivot point here in terms of deglobalisation. Well, you know, very clearly, Australia is a bulwark of uh, Western alliances and it's a safe place in in which to park your cash. And I think in terms of inward investment, if you're looking at, you know, should I put it in Australia or, you know, should I put it in India or South Africa or Brazil, uh, countries which are big but have a risk element um, a risk element which has now ri- risen in prominence um, post the russian invasion of ukraine i think australia is going to be a winner here so i'm you know i'm expecting um, a great deal of interest in australia
0: now w- one of the other things we've been writing about this week is uh, the resort sector and i believe andrew your five star no star awards this week are aligned to that very sector but bring a little bit of personal experience yeah well indeed <laughs> yes
1: Chris you did a, a nice report on that talking about um, TUI amongst others um, and I, I flew off um, to a TUI resort with the Sangster clan um, just prior to easter to costa rica an exotic um destination Um, one thing actually just i've never been to costa rica before and you you see you see lots um about the publicity uh, in the country about all the different animals and they they were consistently small animals so they're, they're much smaller than you think so the frogs you see these pictures of those green frogs with the big bulging eyes well they're tiny and they're sort of an inch or so long and those toucans you think oh they're they're about the size of a pigeon and they're tiny things about the size of a sparrow or something um anyways it's the land of small animals costa rica but um, it was a very pleasant experience overall you have been warned um, and <laughs> you go looking for big animals
0: in costa rica <laughs> don't <laughs> um, but
1: uh, the the five star well let's do the no stars get the negative out of the way first um the no stars really goes to 2e and oh my goodness it's still struggling with digitization its app was awful um and they really need To get a grip if you're going to do it do it properly um otherwise don't bother because nobody's going to you know um and it was rescued by the five stars which are um the staff um so after a very difficult period. I mean, many lost their jobs during the the pandemic shutdowns, uh, lockdowns, um, and others were on 50% wages and so forth, had significant wage cuts during this period. But they've come back and they're dealing with this now overflowing levels of demand at those resorts and are dealing with it remarkably well, uh, no thanks to the the dreadful TUI digitization process which only adds to the complexity of it where they're having to double do everything and rescue the digital piece which ought to be coming to the rescue of the, the staff I would suggest in this overstretched situation. Um, but that, that's, I mean, there are, you know, it, one thing that always strikes me when you go um, into, um, into resort destinations like this is just how crucial that public private partnership is. And uh, I flew into where TUI flies, um, which is Liberia, um, which is in the Northwest of uh, Costa Rica, um, Guanacaste, um, the opposite end of the country from its uh, capital, um, San Jose, and um, um, the it was a dreadful arrival experience in an unair conditioned arrivals hall um, and we were stood in line for an hour or plus well I mean it's just ridiculous I mean you know cost you know tourism is the critical part of the Costa Rican economy then they ought to be reinvesting some of that that money back into improving those that that piece but uh, that's uh, something they really do need to sort out
0: and on that rather hot and sweaty note we'll say goodbye for now